beautiful day to be in the Lord's house today. You know, I love mornings like this when people just truly do come ready to worship God, come ready to give Him thanks and praise. And it just begins to flow from the very first moment. I have never been one to feel like that I want to manipulate people to achieve a certain response. I don't think that's necessary for the people of God. And it grieves me sometimes to be in Pentecostal worship services where somebody's up front and it's very clear that they're unhappy with the level of worship. And so they, they kind of try to cheerlead it up, if I can say it like that. And, and I get it. It happens a lot. I've never really felt like that I wanted or needed to be cheerleaded up to worship God. And I never really felt like it was appropriate to do, to manipulate people into that place. But this morning, I've watched you as you have come in and you've just begun to worship the Lord without any of that, without anyone trying to pump you up or, or cause you to uh, express worship in a particular way you just came to worship the Lord and your smiles on your faces is worship your, your sweet songs of love to the Lord they please him so much when it just comes from you and comes from your heart and so I'm just so thankful there are times that I just like to stand there and and not sing myself and not be thinking anything in particular other than just to listen to the voice of the people that God has assigned me to and to know that you know how to worship and to know that you know that he is your savior and to know that you don't need to have someone up front spurring you on to worship that it just flows out of you naturally sometimes I sneak a peek and turn around and I see people with their hands lifted and their eyes closed and tears rolling down their cheeks and I know that God is touching you in a very special and personal way and I'm glad to have an opportunity to be a part of a church where we can worship that way amen and just love the Lord and just give him the praise that he is due so thank you for coming in today and worshiping the Lord and honoring Him and giving Him His rightful praise because He's deserving of it. Amen? He is indeed. I just want to take just a brief moment and on behalf of Donna and myself just say thank you for such a wonderful Sunday, Pastor Appreciation Day last week. We enjoyed being with you uh, so very much. It's always good to eat chicken with the people of God. Amen? And so many of you came back for the luncheon. I know that some of you were unable to be here, but it, it was just such a wonderful time to be able to visit with you and to be encouraged by you. Uh, we looked at all the cards when we got home that afternoon and, and saw all the beautiful thoughts that were written in the cards and then every line that you underlined in order to emphasize that thought and that you meant that to us as well. Uh, we read those and then read them again and just it meant so much to us that you would take the time to prepare the cards and get those ready and, and tuck a little gift in there 
uh, that, you know, whether it was money or gift cards or whatever it is, just know how much we appreciate it. We never feel worthy of it. It's all, Pastor Appreciation Day is always one of the most difficult days for me because it's hard to receive those kinds of thoughts. And at the same time, I know that when it's heartfelt from people who genuinely do care about us and love us, uh, that it's special, and we appreciate that so very much. And so thank you, and uh, I look forward to eating with you again someday, amen, and having a good time together. You're very good. And I, you know, you are very generous with your staff. I uh, I was just thinking that, you know, we did Pastor Appreciation Day for Pastor Jonathan uh, earlier in the year, and, and then we also always try to include Pastor Matt and some of the other uh, volunteers when we do our volunteer appreciation, and you're always very kind and generous, and we appreciate that, and uh, it, it just shows your heart for the people who are serving you, and uh, it is indeed a great joy. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me uh, to Philippians chapter 4. I want to just share with you for a few minutes this morning um, from this very well-known passage of Scripture. And I want in some way to use this to calm you a little bit. Uh, If you're in a relationship with a spouse, be it a husband or a wife or whatever, is it not true that you can tell when there is some issue that is brewing? Uh, Maybe sometimes it's underneath, it's not really, you know, spewing out or anything of that nature, but you can just tell by looking at your spouse or you can tell by looking at your children that they're dealing with something. Maybe they haven't explained it yet. And yet you know, and you can tell that something is not quite right. And I'm kind of feeling that in this moment in history with us. And not anything particularly about the church, but more just knowing that there's something that is keeping some of you unsettled. For some of you, it's the issue with Israel and the war and the rumors of war that we're hearing. We're hearing so many things now that once Israel declared war on Hamas, now Iran is getting involved and making their threats. And others are getting involved. Let me just remind you that what we're seeing in the news and what we're seeing in this particular situation should have been expected because Scripture tells us that in the last days that there will be wars and there will be rumors of war. I was watching Chuck Lorre, a California pastor. He was recently highlighted in the movie Jesus Revolution, and he was preaching to his own congregation. And he was imploring them to calm themselves. He said, it's not like that I haven't preached to you and taught you about the end times and what to expect. And it's it's just interesting to me how that a few weeks ago we were taking four Sundays in a row just to talk about the end times and what to expect. You'll remember. And one of the, the things that I shared with you is that all of these events 
while they are going to happen, their purpose is to show signs that Jesus is about to intervene. And that there would be wars and there would be rumors of war. And Chuck Lorre, he said, some of you are already trying to determine who the Antichrist is going to be. He said, I hear it in your conversations. I hear it at the lunch table. You're already picking people out, world figures, and you are declaring them to be the Antichrist. He said, but what you don't remember from our teaching is that the Antichrist cannot come until the church has been removed from the earth. Because we believe in a, pre, uh, a pre-tribulation, pre uh, pre-tribulation rapture of the church. In other words, we're going to be taken out of here, and when the church is gone and the, and the influence of the Holy Spirit, then the tribulation begins. And he said, many of you are living your lives right now as though you are already in the tribulation. And he said, it makes me a little bit sad to have been your pastor as long as I've been your pastor and to teach you as faithfully as I have through the years. And when the time starts showing, the signs start showing, instead of you just saying, well, that's a sign, Jesus is coming, Jesus is about to intervene, lift up my head because Jesus is about to do something. You're, you're all concerned about the trouble and the difficulty and the Antichrist and all those things. He said, don't worry about any of that. Focus your attention upon Jesus Christ coming for the church. Think on those things. And so I, I just resonated with that. And I thought, I know there are people in, in this congregation that you're so caught up in the moment. You're flipping from CNN to Fox News to uh, all the others that I could mention this morning just want to see what they're saying. And listen, I know it's okay to want to know what's going on, but what happens is, is that if we feed on that all the time, it brings our soul to a place of turmoil and difficulty, and we're all the time thinking about what's next and who's next and all that. And so what I want to encourage you in that is to just calm yourself. Calm yourself to the Word of God and what the Word of God teaches us to expect. Is it bad? Sure it's bad. Anytime that there is loss of life and there is bombs going off and people are being captured and killed and slain, it's bad. But never forget that God is still in control. He's predicted all of this. And when push comes to shove, God will always stand with Israel and keep them because they are the apple of His eye, according to Scripture. So calm yourself. And then I want to explain that I know that many of you are going through difficulties with the economy. I know that just this week, we had people in our church that had to go on strike because of the UAW situation. And and I know, and I get it. I I know that there's just something about what's going to happen. How can we get as much as we can get? 
from all, all the automakers. What, what are we pushing for? What are we trying to achieve? And that kind of brings me to the point of the message that I want to bring to you this morning. And it is simply this. Never forget, Ford is not your source. General Motors is not your source. The UAW may be necessary in the world that we live in, but your source is Jesus Christ. He's the one who's going to take care of you. He's the one who's going to meet your need. Hasn't he always done that? Hasn't he always been faithful? Hasn't he always taken care of his people? Some of you have gotten bad reports from your doctor recently. Someone came in today and I asked them, I said, what was the report? Said, well, we didn't get a report yet, but we've determined that however many days we have left on this earth, we're going to enjoy every moment of every day that we have left. And I thought, praise God, somebody has it right. Because it doesn't matter how much chemo you take, and it doesn't matter how much diabetes medicine you take, and it doesn't matter how much of the other stuff that you might be consuming. Those things may be helpful. But listen, God already knows the day of your departure. He is the giver of life. He is the taker of life. And when it comes your time, no medicine is going to keep you here, and no doctor is going to keep you here, and no surgeon is going to keep you here because God knows the day, the time, and the hour of your departure. And Paul said, I'd much rather go right now. I'd rather go right now and be with Jesus. But I have to stay because I have to stay for you. I have to minister to you. But hey, you know he had to be thinking the very minute that God is finished with me, He's going to come get me and take me, and I'm going to spend eternity in the presence of my Savior. <clears throat> so here's what I want to say to you today. We don't know what the future looks like. We, I mean, we, we have some signs of it. We have some pictures of it. But I want you to know that if God is on our side, tell me one person, tell me one spirit that can be against us. No one can, because God is on our side. Now in Philippians, this passage of Scripture is surrounded by a small church in Philippi. The Philippians was not, the, the church at Philippi was not a large church. It was a group of people that were living out their lives in the reality of Jesus Christ being their Savior. They're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were telling everyone who would listen. But there were issues that they were having to deal with, much like what I've been talking about. Natural or national insecurity, wars, rumors of wars. The fact that people in those days could be slain for their faith very easily. Walking down the streets, someone could take the life of a Christian because that was the world that they lived in. And even today in Israel, and Hamas, and Hezbollah, and all that's going on there, death is a common and current reality there. 
And if you live in that part of the world, it's easy for you to get uh, concerned about your safety and concerned about what could and might happen. Not knowing when their next uh, attack could come and not knowing when life as they've known it could end. But Paul begins to talk to them and he said, I want to thank you for a couple of things. He tells them, first of all, he said, I want to thank you because you have always supported my ministry. You have always helped me when I needed help. You have sent offering multiple times when offerings were needed in order for me to do the ministry that God has called me to do. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that. I want you to know how much I thank you for that. And then he says something. He said, but he said, don't send any more money. He said, I have everything that I need. You can read it there in chapter 4. He said, I have everything that I need. God has opened the windows of heaven and supplied for me everything that I need to do what he has called me to do. So in the midst of their being concerned about Paul not having enough, they were worried about something that wasn't even true. Because Paul sent the word I'm okay. I have everything I need. Don't worry about sending more. And here they'd been concerned about how that they could get more money together, more offering together, in order to send it to Paul. The second thing that he wanted them to know is that they were worried about a man from their congregation by the name of Epaphroditus. Because they had selected him to take the offering to Paul. And he took the offering to Paul, but he got sick. He got ill while he was there with Paul. Now, how many of you know back in those days, they didn't have cell phones. They couldn't text each other. They couldn't send a message and say, hey, uh, Apaphroditus is sick. He's about to die. What are we going to... No, they were hearing about all this as reports would come through town. They, even if they wrote a letter, it took a long time for that to be delivered to them. So their information was not current. It was not what they needed to know. We've always told our children, and even as adults, if they're going on a trip, you know what some of the last words from us is? Text us when you get there. How many, how many else does that? Text me when you get there. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. Just text me. I don't know how many texts I've received through the years from my kids that just simply said, we're here. And now some of them are so lazy they can't even write we're. They just put here, and that's it. (laughs) But it brings confidence in knowing that they have arrived at their destination. The church at Philippi did not have that information. The last they had heard is that he was ill. He was sick. He was dying. And so they spent a lot of their time worried about something that wasn't even true. Let me ask you this morning. How many have ever worried about something that just simply was not true? How many of you have ever worried about things and it turned out that it was a waste of your energy? And that's exactly what was going on with the church at Philippi. 
they were concerned about things that they didn't need to be concerned about. Because they weren't looking at it through the eyes of eternity and looking at it through the eyes of reality. And so today, I just very quickly want to encourage you to trust Him in trouble. Trust Him in trouble. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. It says, And my God will supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. How many of you have ever heard this passage of Scripture before? Have you ever read it? You know that it was initially used in this context by Paul to say to the church at Philippi, at Philippi hey, it's going to be okay. Because the God that I serve is involved in your current reality. And so there are three, uh, four things that I want to say to you about this this morning. And the first one is this. We have to learn to trust the faithfulness of His provision. Has God ever let you down? Has He ever just left you hanging and the answer to that is no. God has never let you down. Change the slide for me up there if you can. Trust the fullness of His provision. Now notice what He said. He said, my God shall. What does shall mean? It's positive. It's not maybe. It's not might. It's not a could be situation. But Paul said, the God that I know, the God that I serve, shall supply the need. He shall. Now, how many of you this morning, you would say, I believe that with my full being. I believe that God will not let me down. I believe that God will do in my circumstance everything that needs to be done. I believe that God will do for Israel what He said that He would do. And so I'm going to trust Him to bring this situation to a place that will allow His glory to be seen. I know that God is my healer. I know that He is my supplier. I know that everything that I've ever had passed through my hand has always come from God the Father because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights and with Him there is no shadow of turning. He shall supply our need. He met the need of Abraham. Abraham had been asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. And he was getting ready to obey that. And then all of a sudden there was a ram found in the thicket. Who do you bet put that ram in that thicket? You know, it didn't come from Aldi's. Somebody had to guide that ram to that thicket. I can tell you clearly, I have no question in my mind that it was the God of Abraham who placed that provision in the thicket accessible to him. So in the moment when the provision was needed, he was able to, to achieve it and receive it. Then I think about the 
Israelites when they'd come through uh, dry land. And he, he gave them a cloud in the middle of the day to cool them. He gave them fire at night in order to warm them and to give guidance to, him, to them. He gave them manna every morning of their lives. They had to go out and get it, but it was there for them. When they got tired of manna, he flooded them with quail. Whatever it was that they needed, God supplied the need. He was faithful to them. They never went out on a morning and said, Hey, God failed us. God didn't come through. Where's this? You remember Elijah when he went to the brook and, and the water eventually dried up and, and, and God had been sending ravens to bring food to him? And before the ravens stopped coming, God spoke to him and said, It's time for you to move on from this spot to the next spot. I have provided for you here water and food from the ravens, but I'm not going to do that any longer. I'm going to take you to a widow who is now going to supply every need that you have. How many of you know that sometimes seasons change? Sometimes God says, I provided in you for you in this manner, but I'm not going to provide for you in this manner anymore. Why do you think God does that? Do you think it's because He gets tired of using that provision to meet your need? Why would it matter to God? Meeting your need is meeting your need. Here's the reason that He moves you. It's because He knows that you need a new place in order to grow and mature in Him. Some of you have been at the same place spiritually for so long that you are now growing tired of the provision that God gave you and you don't even want that anymore. Now listen, when God gets ready to move you, it'll make you uncomfortable. Because you don't know what the future's going to look like. You've been used to ravens. And now you're going to have to eat whatever that widow prepares. And you don't know how long it's going to last. Listen, God's ready to move some of you to a new place. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to take one of those pastoral moments. And I'm going to say it very softly and clearly. So that you can understand. Joby told me while we were camping, she said, I don't like to hear you preach, Pops. I said, why? She said, because you yell. <laughs> and she said, you scare me. She said, you don't talk when you're in the pulpit the same way that you talk when you're at the camper. And I said, I, I take that as wisdom, and I'm going to do my best to yell a whole lot less than I've been yelling in the past. So I'm going to try not to yell when I say this, but some of you really, really need to grow up in some areas of your life. I, I, I'm saying that with love, but some of you still act the way that you acted when I came here 13 years ago. Your response to certain situations is the same today as it was back then. And what I'm saying to you is that there comes a point when we have to walk away from those kinds of zones in our lives and we have to allow Him to take us to a new place. You say, but I like my comfort zone. 
But your comfort zone is not always good for you. Sometimes you need to get out of your comfort zone so God can do a new thing in your life. But what if he does not provide what I've grown accustomed to? Well, then he will provide what you need rather than what you're accustomed to. You know, sometimes I have learned that I have to buy new clothes. I've discovered this week that I'm going to have to have some new socks because I burned my other ones up in the campfire this week. Put some, I put some new wood on the campfire and it started crackling and popping, you know, snap, crackle, pop, Rice Krispies. It popped out and it got on my foot. I was less concerned about my sock than I was my ankle that was on fire in that particular moment. I looked down and I had a big old hole in my sock and I thought, I'm going to wear them until I get home and then I'll throw them away. Do you know what? i got to have some new socks. My wife's going to have to have some new pajama bottoms. She had some pretty blue, heavy, and she wearing them there at the campfire and pop! Out it came, laying it right on her leg. I saw her move faster than I've seen her move in years. She looked down at her leg and she said, these were brand new pajamas. They have a big hole right here. I told her, I said, it's okay, babe. You go ahead and wear them. I said, I act like I don't know it's there. It's not a big deal. What I'm saying is, is there are times that circumstances change in our lives. And if we don't grow with those circumstances, then we are not going to be the mature men and women of God that he's called us to be. So what I'm saying to you is, is that it may be that God wants to provide for you differently because there is a need in your life that needs to be dealt with. Secondly, we have to trust the fullness of His provision. God, it says, will meet all our needs. Now, in this context, He's talking about offerings. He's talking about finances. He's assuring them that because of their willingness to give, God is going to give back to them. He's going to bless them. He makes sure that they understand that you've been faithful in your giving and God is going to take care of all your needs. But let me ask you this today. What if your need is not financial? What if you have everything that you need? What if you're like Paul and he said, oh no, please don't bring any more offerings because I have everything that I need. What, what if your need is not financial? What if your need is emotional? You don't have to raise your hands to let me know this, but what if you are just struggling with anxiety? What if you are just struggling with mental incapacity? What if you are just struggling with those things? What if you're struggling with anger? What if you're struggling with frustration? Listen, I know that there's a lot going on with the JCPS school system right now, with the busing and all that, and I know that's affected many of your lives. I get it. I, I see it on your face. I see it on your Facebook. I, I see it everywhere. And listen, if I had kids in school, I'd probably be frustrated too. 
It's frustrating when you expect something and then it doesn't come. It's frustrating. But listen, did you not know that God is able to keep you calm in the midst of even situations like that? Just be at peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding? Did you know that God can help you to get to the place where you just say, well, you know what? It didn't happen the way that I expected it to happen, but God is able to supply the need. He can keep me at peace, and He can provide a way for, getting, for me to get my kids to and from school. God is able to meet all of our needs according to our riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Some of you may be experiencing some marital issues in, in your life right now. Some of you may be having a hard time getting along. Some of you may be having a hard time understanding why your spouse feels the way they feel or acts the way they act or why they won't do this or they do do this. Did you know that God is the healer of relationships? How many of you know that? He will supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So my question to you today is, what do you need? I didn't ask you, what do you want? Because God's not committed to meet all your wants, right? You know that? But He is committed to meet all of your needs. So He is able, the fullness. Thirdly, I want us to learn to trust the fortunes of His provision. Notice what it says. It says it is according to the riches of His glory. Somebody say, His glory. His glory. That word glory there can literally also be translated His fortunes. So how much money do you think that God has? How much peace do you think God has? How much resource do you think He has at His disposal? Do you think he's got enough? I mean, some of you are just looking at me like I've lost my ever-living mind. Well, he has everything. But, you know, we can say everything and not really relate to the reality of all that he has available. How many of you think God is able to run out of resources? Can I see your hands? Good answer. But what if he did? What if God ran out of fried chicken at the, at the marriage supper of the Lamb? What if God did that? What if He ran out? You know what He'd do? The Bible says He is able to create those things that are, are not. Speak them into existence. Wouldn't it be funny if God just came up to you one day and He said, I know you've been asking, but the reason that I have not done what you want me to do is because I ain't got it. It's all gone. Gave it all to the Baptist church. They got it. Got it all to the assembly of God. They got it. They were in line before you. I ain't got none. I mean, do we really see God that way? I think sometimes we do because we don't really expect for God to come through on our behalf. Let me see if I can get my pockets tucked back in now. 
so that they lay right. Listen, if God did run out, and He won't, by the way, He's able to call those things that are not as though they were. He is the Creator. Everything that was created was created by Jesus. And, and it's, it's available to those who will call upon God for the answer. So we've got to realize that He has all the fortunes. I, this, this week, and I'm sure that you've seen some of this in the news, there is this um, lawsuit against our former president because they said that he, um, he overvalued his properties so that he could get loans. I don't know. How many of you saw that in the news? Four of you. Praise the Lord. You, you must have been... No, I'm not going to say that. Back off. Back up. Take a deep breath. Move on. Listen, let me tell you something. God is not like that. He doesn't tell you that He has what what you need, and then not have it. His fortunes are expansive. Whatever you need, He has it available. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, it is according to the riches of His glory. The riches of His fortunes. Oh, let me just tell you, I can't wait until we get to heaven. I mean, you're talking about the very, that the, the thing that we value so highly on this earth, it, 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 gold, he's going to make streets out of it. We're just going to walk around with our dirty shoes on the gold. And, and it, you know, it's just one of the cheapest things, I guess, that he can find to make roads with. But when we get to heaven, the roads are going to be out of gold. The gates are going to be like pearls and, and all of these crazy ideas of fortune and how fabulous it's going to be. It's going to be amazing. Some of you women, your, your eyes lit up. You see, you never had a string of pearls in your entire life. Some of you got some of those fake ones one time, and you took, put them in your mouth and rubbed them against your teeth to see if they were real, and you were disappointed because that you bit through one of them. Hey, listen, it's not going to be like that. He's, he's got all the fortunes. That we will need. And then finally this morning, and here's the key point. You're familiar with all of this passage of Scripture, but here's, the, here's where we have to land with all of this. And it is this. We must make trust our response to God's provision. In other words, what I mean by that is if God says it, we've got to trust that He'll do it. If God says, I can give it, We've got to be willing to say, Lord, I, I trust you for the timing, for the provision, and so I'm going to trust you. So what does trust look like? Three things. First of all, trust looks like gratitude. You can't gripe and receive from God at the same time. It's like those people that I told you about that came through on dry land and God provided everything they needed. They got, they got tired of it. They said, we'd rather go back and be enslaved in Egypt and have the leaks that we had there than to have the provision of God. We've got to be grateful for what God gives us. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's because she, did, she loves me or she's 
I don't know what it is, but Donna, just the last few days, has just, she'll just walk by me in the house, and she'll just say, I love you. I'm thinking, well, praise the Lord, I love you too. She'll walk by me on the other side a few minutes later, and she'll say, thank you. She'll say, will you help me with this? And when I'm done helping her, she'll say, thank you. Help get her boots on, thank you. I, I really believe she got saved or something. I don't know what, I, I don't know. But you know what it is? She's made up her mind that for some reason, she wants to know, she wants me to know that she's grateful for whatever I've been doing to help her, and she loves me. And that's the way it is with God. We ought to, every day of our life, we ought to just walk by Him and say, thank you, thank you, God, I love you. God, there's nothing more important in my life than you. Sometimes we just forget to do that. Sometimes we just forget to say, God, you are so special to me. We've got to learn to accept Him and, and then gratitude acknowledges God as the ultimate provider and cultivates a heart of thankfulness. Do you see that on the screen? Gratitude it acknowledges God as the ultimate provider and cultivates a heart of kindness. So are you grateful? Are you grateful? When's the last time you really told the Lord that you're grateful for what He's done for you? It's so easy to get burnt out. I'm telling you this week, we always take the grandkids camping during fall break. You know that. We've been doing it for years. It was easier when there was just Jovi. And then Harper came along, became a little more challenging. And then Henry arrived. <laughs> and you know, I honestly, this week, I, I knew we were going to have all three of them. And I said, oh God, <laughs> give me strength. Oh God, let them be better than they've ever been in their life. And you know what? All three of them were on their best behavior. They were so good. They were so grateful. I would fix something for them to eat. Thank you, Pops. I thought, are these my grandkids? Did, did somehow we... Grateful. And then you saw on Facebook, I had gotten up. I always got up before the sun came up. Go outside, crank the fire up, get me a cup of coffee, and just watch the sun come up. And give praise to God for all that He has blessed me with in my life. And one of those mornings, Henry came bounding out of that camper. He was ready to roll. And he walked by me and he said, Pops, this is a wonderful day for a little boy to ride his bicycle. <laughs> he said, can I get on? I said, yes. I said, ride as far away from me as you'd like to. Be no <laughs> No problem whatsoever. He's riding his bicycle out there. He's getting it ready. 
And he looks up and I hear him say, Thank you, Lord. And I thought to myself, Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the many blessings in my life. Thank you for my grandkids. Thank you for nature. Thank you for health. Thank you for provision. A little later, I thanked him for pancakes. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Gratitude is such an important thing for us to cultivate even when things are difficult. And even when the future doesn't look very bright. Not only does it include gratitude, but faith enables us to trust in God's provision even when circumstances seem dire. Let me ask you a question. Change the slide for me, if you will. Faith, when's the last time God just absolutely shocked you with what He did in your life? I mean, you were absolutely not expecting the answer to look like it answered, like like, like it looked. And then all of a sudden, it, it came through for you, and you just said, my Lord, my Lord, I never saw that happen before. I never even thought to ask God about that in that particular way. But faith allowed us to trust God's provision even when circumstances seem dire. And then finally, contentment. The next thing that you've got to develop around this passage of Scripture, and Paul was very careful to say this, contentment frees us from the grip of materialism and allows us to find satisfaction in God alone. Change the slide for me, if you will, up there. Contentment frees us from the grip of materialism. How many of you sometimes find yourself asking God to provide something materialistic rather than just saying, God, however you want to meet my need? Is perfectly fine with me because I trust you. I, I don't know what it might look like, but I trust you. Paul said, I am content. He said, I have learned how to be content. And so some of you today, in the midst of wars and rumors of wars, in the midst of relationship problems, in the midst of financial uh, uncertainty, in the midst of all of that, I want to encourage you to find your place to a place of contentment. Where you just say, God, I really, I, I'm not worried about any of those things. I'm content in knowing that what I have will be enough. And if it's not enough, You will provide more than enough for me to survive these difficult times. I've asked the choir to come this morning and to sing a song that I requested. And Donna said, if you're going to ask them to come up, don't start preaching again. Let them sing. She didn't say it quite like that, but that's what she meant. And so here's what I want us to do today. I'm going to ask them to come and lead us in worship this song. And then we're going to all meet at this altar this morning. We're going to pray for two things today. We're going to pray that God 
will allow us to trust Him in our difficult moments. And then together as a body of Christ, I want us to join together in prayer for Israel. And I want us to lift them up today and let our prayers bombard heaven on their behalf. Because God's going to do what He promised to do. But He needs the prayers of His people. In Jesus' name, He's going to do it. Amen? So I want you to stand with me if you will.